Hello, and welcome to episode 182 of Three Beers in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird, and I'm with... Barry Neal. Barry, we are once again doing this via the one of the Zoom, because we are all locked down. You're in a mm. different area from me, so we can't see each other. Um, but once again, thank you for jumping on Zoom. So yeah. we'll all the things we've watched this week. Though every now and again, I do see you through the window, but that's for another time. That's that's more concerning than anything else now. <laughs> and... What was I doing through the, What was I doing? You looked at me. Should I be embarrassed? Should I be ashamed? Is God judging me? <laughs> no, nothing, nothing terribly exciting. You were just quietly sitting there. <laughs> That's even more scary. I'm just sitting there staring blankly into space. <laughs> I just won't lock down. Um, it is a Sunday night. Um, are you having a drink of anything while we're discussing everything tonight? Yeah, I'm on the hard stuff tonight. I'm on the old... Yeah, I'm drinking Monster tonight. Oh, your heart will be absolutely killing you. Um, well, I'm not doing much better. I'm drinking... Yeah, probably. Tonight. I'm drinking Dr. Pepper, so I'm not doing much better than you. Um, my heart is probably also hating me what I'm doing, what I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a tradition, do we have any movie news or to, to discuss? Anything jump out at you this week that you want to discuss? It's, I think it's been quite a quiet week, but you usually find it. Yeah. Uh, sadly, unfortunately, like a lot of the planet and a lot of businesses, January seems to be like the quietest month out of the whole entire year. So, yeah. unfortunately, nothing terribly exciting has happened in Hollywood. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all the fucking quiet. The only thing that I would mention is that Kenneth Branagh got cast as Boris Johnson. Um, mm, yeah, that, piece, yeah. Which is fucking horrendous casting. Um, but, yeah, mm. so we'll wait and see what that brings to the floor. Yeah, you never know. You know, fat fat Hollywood suits and prosthetics, you know, they can they can do wonders now, so you just never know. That's what won't make him ugly, don't because Kenneth Brown is, is a very handsome man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Boris Johnson is not. No, he's so, like, that's the point. You don't I don't want to, I don't want to sex up Boris Johnson. It's just, it's just wrong. Anyway, that that's coming out at some point next year, I think, the the sky drama about the COVID situation, which feels odd to be doing a drama when the situation is still very much ongoing. Yeah, uh, well, in fact, I think I remember Pat uh, talking to you about this off mic a couple of weeks back. It was um, <clears throat> it was the equivalent of when Glasgow Airport at the tail end, the last couple of months of 2020, they were running a billboard advert on their new, brand new shiny billboard that they've got hanging over the motorway advertising uh, where you're going to go in 2021. Yeah, And then as the situation rolled into this year, this sign quickly gets switched off because they've realised that, I uh, realistically, you shouldn't be advertising for people to go travelling, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely not. Um, uh, equally, because the football's all shut down, there's no camel mm. story either. So, so it's a very no. a very brief discussion of non-movie things this week. Um, not much going on yeah. in, our, our not, in other parts of the, the conversation. Um, so on a get... positive note, we our lives, so it's all good. Yes, hockey's back, so it's good. Um, yes. That's why we're, we're trying to wrap up tonight a relatively early hour, so we can go both go and watch some some ice hockey. Um, yes. So we shall dive into the first um, piece of viewing, which is a Netflix series called The Night Stalker: The Hunt for a Serial Killer, which you might imagine is the next in the, the long running series of Netflix mini series, which um, go over various serial killers in the past fifty years. We've had, we've had about what must like at least half a dozen now. They've done surely. Must there's an absolute chunk they've done. Um, yeah, I've kind of skipped a lot of them just because yeah. of like I've either recognised the name because there had there was a period of time there when I was like smashing a uh, crime podcast like fucking nobody's business to the point where I started depressing myself listening to yeah. them. Um, yeah. so you do start realising that they're going over the more Netflix is going over more of the kind of the big names in yeah. the serial killer world, you know. <laughs> 
So this one is um, about Richard Ramirez, who is the night stalker who killed, I think, was it 13 people um, in yeah. Los Angeles in the 1985-1986. All um, mm-hmm. manner of um, races and creeds and male, female, young and old, and he done lots of other yeah. nasty things. Well, he, he, was a pretty, he was a very nasty piece of work. Yeah, um, that, he kind of he broke the mould for that era because yeah. he, he didn't actually target one particular type of person. No, either race or gender or whatever. Yeah. He literally was just, if you're in that house, I'm fucking you up, and Aye. that just happens to be his his motive. You know, Aye. there's no other real motive for him. Which made him, which made him, which I think made it very, very scary people because no one really knew what was going to happen. Um, yeah. so the series itself is a four-part miniseries. Each episode runs about between forty-five minutes and an hour each, as it follows mainly the. Um, Story of it as it unfolds through the eyes of the two detectives who are sort of tasked mm. with catching him, and also through a few key media personalities who are sort of tangentially involved in the, the capture as well. Um, I'll start on this one. Um, I'm not a fan of these, like, I, I think it takes a lot to make one of these interesting because I feel for always mm. far too often they try and glamorize the killer, they try and make. Mm. They, they, they almost revel in the entertainment fact of all. They, they seem to almost enjoy the story escalating. You know, they, they, they don't seem to get, like, give much sympathy a lot of time towards the victims of this, and they don't focus on the victims enough. It's yes. all very much in the eyes of, you know, ranking him next to other serial killers, it feels like. Now, this one did shy away from that, mm. mostly. And it did mm. offer some level of comfort to the victims when they're talking to them, because they did talk to some of them, particularly the young girl, who managed to escape his clutches and um, talk to her, and it was sort of that was quite emotional in the first episode. Um, mm. But generally, I didn't um, like it for the fact that it was much again much revelling in the entertainment type of playing it like playing it like a movie. Um, mm. And more to that fact, at four episodes, nearly an hour long each, four hours, man, mm. this could have been easily a ninety-minute documentary, and that would have been absolutely sufficient. It felt like it dragged on for way too long, in my opinion. Mm. Um, what about you? I haven't watched a lot of these Netflix ones. Like I said, I've kind of, I've kind of like tuned away from them. I think the last one I watched was the one I wrote enough for the podcast. Like I think it was called like American Killer or something. Yes, remember yeah, the yeah, the guy yeah. the guy murdered his family. Yeah. So I thought that was a bit shit, but this one I thought was a lot better. Right. Uh, there was a lot more to unpack. Uh, I did think it was one episode too long. Right. See that fourth episode? I felt they could have easily trimmed back three, and it, I didn't find there was a lot. There's too much filler in episode four. Yeah, I felt like they could have stuck that into three and just been a three episode. But then it's not really a nice even number. So, no. Uh, no, ironically, I thought episode four is when it actually tapped into the one thing that I found really interesting about it. They never mm-hmm. actually discussed too much, which was the idea of all the women who seemed to love him. And well, sort of- I was. The obsession they got from that would have been like I'd watch a documentary on that. That'd be real, that'd be really yeah. interesting into the mindset when, of people like that. Well, that was actually that was going to be my next point was because they didn't really hide the the faces of the women that <laughs> sent them <laughs> scant, scantily clad pictures. No, very well. But I want someone to work on behalf of Netflix or however it works to go and find those women or Vice even, uh-huh. to go and find those women and do a fucking documentary on them because yeah. that to me is more fascinating. Where are they now? Because yeah. a lot of them are quite young looking. Um, 
it's kind of I'm not the best at gauging ages, but yeah, I'm going to guess early, that early twenties. Yeah, no higher than mid twenties. Yes. So, but I'm like, are they young, naive when this guy's kicking about? Where are they now? And obviously, they will have to end up saying they do have remorse for doing it and all that. Or are they going to be complete fucking trailer park psychos and just be like, "Fuck yeah, still fancy him? Look at him." Or are, they, or are they all like now like fifty-year-old soccer mums, you know, who are like, you know, this, this is something this is dalliance they had in the back of teenagers type thing. I, yeah. That to me was a really interesting point. I was yeah. really intrigued by that. It was only like that was only like twenty minutes. I know. I'm going, I would absolutely watch a documentary based on that yeah. rather than watch another one about how the guy was killing yeah. people. They found out who was killing people. They. The feeling of the police force, what everything fucked up, you know, who didn't see something they should have saw and all that kind of stuff. That to me felt mm. like it was almost like this rehashing all the stuff I've seen before. But the, yeah. that bit about the, the, the people who, the women who liked this guy and were like sort of basically throwing themselves at him and would, would clearly would want to marry him and things like that, and were very much in love with him. Um, that my other, documentary. my other point was, and it was kind of around about the same time as the girls, when they were talking about the girls like sending them pictures and stuff, I want to know is, where the fuck was this guy getting bloody aviators in jail? I mean, he kept on turning up to court in his jumpsuit wearing fucking aviator sunglasses. Where was it? Who was giving him fucking aviators? I mean, I, like, I, do, I wonder I do women were flinging at him. You do focus on the most minuscule of details so to try and get something across, don't you? <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? He's sitting there all suave in, in uh, court when the uh, judge is reading out his crimes and all that, wearing a pair of fucking aviators. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, looking at, it, at one documentary, I would say it's if you're into this sort of stuff, like I, I think get, people you're gonna enjoy love it. it. They're gonna yeah. love it. It's, it's all about what you want. It's all things after. If, you, if you're not a fan of this kind of stuff, it won't win new fans. It's very much aimed at the podcast people like yourself or like the, the, mm. the lady who are very into this sort of stuff and very intrigued by it and sort of digest it en masse. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's not really one that's going to win anyone over who's not a fan of these documentaries in the first place. Um, personally, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit sick of these now. I wasn't a big fan of it. <laughs> um, I would give it a, like, a solitary 4 out of 10. Ooh. Uh, I was going to... The but the only last point I was gonna make was the the main cop guy that they spoke to, uh, yeah. Gil, I think his name was. Yeah. Uh Gil. It started coming across. I don't know if you picked up on this. It might have just been me because I was like watching it when I was half tired and stuff, but it started coming across like this guy didn't actually really sleep for the whole entire investigation. Yeah. I was sitting there and it got to like a hundred like day hundred and whatever. Oh. And he's like, Oh man just till I haven't slept. It was like, yeah. I got home and then an hour later the phone went and I was like, back at, at work. And I was yeah. like, this guy hasn't actually slept in well, months. The question is, that how one of these why the guy got away for so long because the guys are just so bereft of sleep they couldn't focus on anything. Uh, yeah, they were just fatigued at their mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I was saying that, like I said, this is a, one of the better ones Netflix are certainly getting a lot better at doing these, so out of 10, I'm giving it a solid 6. Well, like I said, if, if they trimmed f- episode 3 down and stuck all the juicy bits from epi- episode 4 into it, I think it would have been perfect, but then three episode miniseries don't really make sense. I think I've just reached my fill with these, and it does, I think it does say a yeah. lot that a lot of these other documentaries when, you, when they've come out, these like, series, have became sort of like social media 
like sort of Hype. explosions of people. Yeah. I've not heard much mm. of this with social media about this one, which makes me think maybe nah. this one is sort of a lot of people maybe hit that fatigue level with it. They just there's not engaging with it in the same way. Yeah, the problem is the problem is fucking reality. At least in certain countries, we're not going to point any elbows to any sort of atlases that are on the wall. Uh, but sadly, reality's a lot more fucking grim than now than like documentaries about yeah. serial killers. Unfortunately, so you actually want to uh, a bit lighter to watch. You think? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like you're sitting there watching Joe Exotic for a bit of light entertainment. You know? Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, on from that, we've gone to a movie. It's on Netflix as well, but it's actually it was a cinema release just at the tail end of uh, 2019, I believe. But also, I think it came to Britain properly in 2020. Um, it's a mm. French movie called Les Miserables. Les Miserables, how you might say that, directed by Lady Lai, Lai, which is his feature debut. Um, so it's not based on the the novel and the musical that is um, mm. from 2012, the, the most recent adaptation. It's named that because it's set in the same area uh, that Victor Hugo wrote that novel. That's why it's called The Miserables. Like Miserables. Uh, That's the reason okay. why it's called it. They do reference that in the actual movie itself. It's based on a short done by the same director. And essentially, mm. it's a plot of it's, um, two cops and a, and a new cop who are sort of going through a sort of an underprivileged area in Paris. Um, mm. And they're sort of showing him the ropes of how the, the area runs because he'll be sort of involved in this area, sort of policing it. Something happens in the area. Essentially, a tiger gets stolen. Um, and they're trying to hunt down the stealer tiger. At the same time, there's some tension amongst sort of warring factions within the, the local yeah. community, and they're trying to quell them. At the same time, they're, a couple of them maybe are clearly corrupt, um, and they're, they're trying to keep themselves clean as well. Without, you know, they're not getting caught. Uh, and it's just sort of this all, all happens over one day, and so there's sort of different factions in this local area and how they all come together. Um, not necessarily in a good way, but how they all sort of collide and they're sort of separate stories that all have a sort of overarch um, to it. Um, didn't really recognise anyone in it. Um, you get Damien Bonnard, Alexis Manke, Gerbrelli uh, Zonga and Isa Perocchi, I think his name is. Uh, I don't actually know who any of the people are. I've not seen them in much films, um, uh, but they are, they are, I think from what I've read, they're relatively big in France. This is, this is a French production, so I think it's maybe they're sort of more well-known in France. And France has got its own very unique cinematic industry. Um, it's, mm. it's not reliant on the American industry. It sort of it makes its own material and it's quite happy to show its own films as opposed to relying on you know American films to come in. Um, yeah. what, what do you think of this one? I actually quite enjoyed it. Uh, this one's just fresh off the press for myself because I only watched it this afternoon and I, I actually quite enjoyed it. Uh, after you telling me that it was actually just set in the area that the novel was written in, it yeah. does actually change because when I looked into why it was called this, I was like, and then I read because I've never seen like the the movie from twenty twelve, yeah. uh, and I've never seen the fucking stage play either. So yeah. I was I was trying to kind of figure out why it was called this. So I was slowly trying to piece it all together, going, yeah. oh, well maybe the cops are the are the bad guys and all the <laughs> other gangs are, are being repressed. Like yeah. that's what I was going with it, and then it. You're like, nah, it's just because it's set in the same area. But <laughs> it's a very iconic name. I think the idea of like, I yes. think that, I think that, that book in, in France is seen as something of like sort of a real national pride um, mm. and something that the sort of the, the nation rallies to get around. Um, and you see mm. that at the very start of the film as well when they're all sort of out celebrating the French World Cup the, win. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of all of France come together, like many nationalities, one flag, and a sort of like all like black, white, they come from the the, the, the colonies are all just they're all just united in this one moment of like the joy of you know France winning the World Cup. 
but in mm. reality, France is a much more fractured nation, and there is sort of this disparity amongst the population. Like the sort of the white yeah. population are generally better off, as they are in a lot of countries, um, and the sort of the immigrant population, which the, the people who are in this film are majority the kind of immigrant population, are sort mm. of seen as second class citizens living in shitty house and you know, there's a lot of crime, a lot of drug use, you know, the kids are sort of left to wander the streets without much schooling. So it's this sort of mm. idea like there is one France, but there's actually two Frances, and then the idea like this sort of, this old, they call it Le Miserable, Le Miserable, it's sort of, it's a wee kind of poke in the eye to like the idea of like French pride. It's sort of, so be proud, but be aware, this is also happening, you know, and you want to be yeah. engaged with that. Yeah. It's a... Uh... No, I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really good. It was, uh, you know, a lot of things going on with, like, uh, there was a lot of things going on at one time uh, because, like you said, with the different kind of factions within this area, uh, all building towards, like, one story. So it kept it engaging, um, even though it is in French, so you do have to pay attention to it anyway. Mm -hmm. But I liked it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was well shot as well. It was very interesting. It didn't hang about either. And see well, for like an hour and 45 minutes after when we got to the end, I was like, that's a really short movie. Is it by? Is it by? Um, it felt to me very much like Training Day. Have you ever seen Training Day? Mm. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It had that, that the, the, the story in the car is very much a Training Day story. Um, yeah. Which I thought was really interesting the way they do that because clearly he's not a rookie. He's just someone who can transfer from another town. So he knows shit, but he just, he sort of, he, he can, I think the guy, the, the, the one they're showing around, he knows they're mm. all full of shit. Mm -hmm. Like he, you can sense that he knows they're all full of shit, and he's trying yeah. to keep it under wraps, not to let it out. But he, he knows something's like wrong here. Um, yeah, yeah. And I thought the guy playing the, the sort of really nasty cop, um, that's Alexis Manetti. Um, I mm. thought he was really—he played that sniveling sort of weaselly, kind of really in love with his own power um, role just so well. And um, he, he did hate him because you knew he was going to do something really fucked up. Yeah, and you could tell he's just an asshole, and he would and he would do everything he could to save his own skin. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, so yeah, uh, I thought also I thought the kids in it were excellent. The young, all the young mm -hmm. kids in, it, I thought they were they really were believable in the role they're playing. Um, which is again a tough thing to do. Sometimes kids can become annoying. Um, and I also loved how the director didn't really sh like he opens up with sort of the France we all know, and the France we all sort of think of. But then mm. after that opening montage, it doesn't really look at. It's not. Showing pictures of Eiffel Tower and like you know people eating baguettes and all that kind of stuff. It's yes. very much. It felt more lived in and real and sort of like the real France essentially, or the real Paris. Sorry. Um, yes. I really enjoyed that. He didn't, he didn't rely on the sort of the usual tropes to, to get it across. Yeah, certainly a part of like Fra uh, French culture or even like parts of Paris that most tourist people or whatever don't associate with Paris or yeah. France. Was yeah. of like these kind of like slum kind of areas, uh, so yeah, it's you know, Cap is a bit of a downer on it, but it's like you know, at the end of this is like what the reality is of living in yeah. these like cities now, you know. Yeah. I think from what I've heard as well, apparently the um, or what I read, sorry, was the, the, the current um, prime minister of Paris, uh, of France, sorry, or I think the, I think the mayor of Paris or the French mm. PM. <laughs> Basically, saw this film and started an investigation into the areas. You know, you see, it's like how how much of a reality is this? And it turns out that he's actually very accurate with what he was sort of portraying on screen to try and yes. obviously try and get some amount of change. So, a film like this can be a, a source for like sort of social good. Yeah, it's, yeah. Also, it's always a very good thing. So, I, I really dug this. I thought it was an excellent film. I thought it was yeah. um, really entertaining. Number one, it was entertaining as hell from the start. Mm -hmm. that you, you engage with all the characters. Um, the story works. 
but you can tell mm. there is a good underlying message to it. And, you, and also, it's like from the summer, like some of the films we watched, like that one, Detroit, we watched a few years ago. We used yes. to really, you feel really angry watching it because you, you can see what's going to happen, and you used to be so angry about it happening. But you know, it's, you know, it's true. You know that does all that stuff, which stuff like that will always happen because um, of like the corrupt police force. Uh, but no, I, I really dug it, and I think the subtitle shouldn't put you off. I think it's still definitely worth watching. Trust me, I'm not a I'm I'm not a subtitle movie guy. I'm going to be brutally honest here, and if I can sit through it and read it just fine, then yeah. everyone can. I thought you could tell me you learned French just so you can look, just so you can watch this. We. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode of Three Beers is brought to you by by uh, Babel. Babel. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think of this one? Out of ten, what are you giving it? Uh, this is another solid eight out of ten for me. I really yeah. dug this movie. You know. Absolutely the same, dude. 8 out of 10 for me as well. Really worth watching. It's on Netflix, so you can get it for free, so enjoy it, people. Um, yeah. And final film is one that's on Amazon Prime, and it is called One Night in Miami. It's a brand new release. It's, I think it was supposed to be in the cinemas this year, but obviously nothing in the cinema, so it's been put onto Amazon Prime. Mm. Um, directed by Regina King. It's her debut feature. Obviously, mm. Regina King's a wonderful actress. She's been in a ton of stuff. She won an Oscar for A Few Street to Talk. Um, so she's, she's, she's been around. She's worked with some great directors. And she's applying all her knowledge and what she's watched and what she's learned into this film, which is, um, I think it's something that she's been building up to for a while. Um, the plot of this film is that Malcolm X, Cassie's play, Jim Brown and Sam Cooke all happen to be in Miami on a certain day because, what they're about, because Cassie's play is fighting uh, against Sonny Liston and they all meet in a hotel room in Miami after his victorious fight when he gets heavyweight champion. And what follows is, is a discussion between the four of them out regarding the current struggle of the civil rights movement and what it means to be black, what it means to, you know, to be a person of colour in an elevated position, what they should be doing, um, and just generally their, 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 their thoughts on life in general and what, what they think they can do for the world. Um, it's a fictional story. It's, it's not a true story. It's based on, you know, sort of idea of what could have happened, but of course, actually what did happen, I believe. Um, mm. or, if, or if they did or if they did meet I can't remember if they, if they, if they did all meet this is not a conversation to a place this, this is a writer you know extrapolating what he thinks could have taken place so this is so it's, mm. it's, it's, it's maybe a, it's a fictional story of a real event if that makes sense yes um, so in the film you've got Kingsley Ben Adir who's played Malcolm X and um, he popped up recently in Noel if you remember watching that um, Eli Gorey plays Cassius Clay Aldous uh, Hodge plays Jim Brown Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton plays Sam Cooke. Uh, Bo Bridges pops up in it, and a really he's in it for 10 minutes, and he has one of the most, the most horrendous lines in the entire film, um, which is it just sort of hits it all home. Uh, and Lance Reddick um, uh, plays, a, plays a, is in it as well. And he plays, I can't remember the guy's name, but he plays a sort of uh, Malcolm X's right-hand man. Um, I personally I thought it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really great character study between all four of these guys it doesn't at any point become a caricature of anyone. It's very much, it feels like they're portraying real people because particularly the Cassius play role, we, we all know what Muhammad Ali was like. We all, we've all seen the video. We all know him as a bombastic showman. Mm. This mm. was a real sort of human side to him, a really sort of a really quiet side. He, he's younger, he's very young in this. Like he's only just... Yeah, only 22. 22, so he's very young in this. So you see a kind of... like. The cockiness that we all associate with Muhammad Ali is definitely there. But when he's confronted by people of his seniority, you know, definitely Malcolm X and Sam Cooke 
um, who are older than him and who are part of the Nation of Islam, he sort of he feels a bit smaller. He, he, he reverts back to being a young boy again. He sort of he doesn't feel quite as cocksure and confident. So that was a really interesting way of looking at him. Um, seen also seen a character like Malcolm X being like funny to an extent. You know, he, he sort of he has humor. You know, he's very much part of the, the wanting to be part of the movement, and he is very much a big part of that movement. But there is a there's a there's a, there's a humanity brought to him which you don't mm. really associate with the pictures you see of him in his writing sometimes. There's a real humanity to him. Um, same with Sam Cooke as well. I think he's one of the most, they make a point, he's in the most interesting position. He almost has the most power because he's sort of financially independent. No one's telling him what to do, but he's still seen as a guy who's um, sort of beholden to the white man in many ways. Mm. Um, and I just thought it was a really interesting look at the, the study of the black experience, you know, the idea of like not every person was united in their own front, you know, it's like essentially Malcolm X doesn't look down, but he questions what Ali and Cook are doing because, like, they're in these places of power, but they're not putting anything back into the community other than being successful. So it was just, it was just really interesting and sort of unique way of looking at the world. And I thought it was really definitely handled. What about, what about myself? Yeah, totally agree with you, man. Uh, I, the only negative I took away from this, I personally found it kind of dragged a wee bit. Uh, I would have preferred it to be a wee bit cast snappier. But outside of that, I thought this was a fantastic film. Like you said, that is a fictional meetup. It didn't happen in real life. But it was interesting, and I'm sure it might be common knowledge. I don't actually really know, but it was interesting to find out the train of thought with uh, Muhammad Ali and how he became this kind of like, kind of like over the top, kind of sportsman in a time when that kind of shit just didn't really happen. Yeah. yeah. And it all came from like wrestling. And uh-huh. it was like, I, I love watching wrestling. People pay to go and watch the bad guy potentially lose. lose. Yeah. And you're like, that's that. Uh, that's all it is. And yeah, yeah it, it was great. I, I'm sure that's your common knowledge to the boxing aficionados out there <laughs> or, or anyone that knows anything about Muhammad Ali. But for me, I was sitting there and I was just like, that's amazing. And then, it was it was an interesting story how there were it was all kind of centered around uh, Muhammad well Casius becoming Muhammad Ali oh. and uh, joining Islam so that was kind of like what the whole meeting was about and then it kind of unraveled and then it became about like the singer and how uh, how like he like how he started having to be like questioned about the fact that people seen him as being essentially just like, as they as they said, a, a dancing monkey for yeah. a white man. Yep. And you were like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. And then, but within like, what, what really, really fucking stabbed me right in the heart was right early on, probably I think like the, the first opening scenes was when the football player. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the line I was talking about. Jim Hope, but I just said he has one of the most oh. horrendous lines in, in the whole film, and it's just, yeah. it stabs you right in the heart. And I think that's where it all comes from. No matter yeah. how successful these guys get, yeah. they're still seen as that. You know, they're that, still looked upon as that. Now, that that wasn't even like 15 minutes, I don't think, oh. into the movie. And I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. This is going to be uncomfortable. There's actually, to me, there was nothing really after that that hit me in quite the same way. Mm. But that moment allows you to understand everything else that happens. Yeah, yeah. I think that's important. 
totally, totally. It definitely set the tone of the movie uh-huh. very quickly about the subject <laughs> matter and uh-huh. everything that was to follow with it. Uh-huh. So, but not, I thought all the characters were amazing. It was well shot. A lot of it, like you said, does take place in a motel room. Which makes it interesting, uh, but also I think what she did with the camera in the sense, like when they show real historical moments, like particularly the, the, the Ali fights, they mm. look really good. That she looked, yeah, yeah. It didn't feel like she just copying something that happened real. It felt like she bringing more life to sort of yeah. something. Do we all know that picture of him like looking down? Yes. On the ring? Yeah, the iconic, and it transpires that that is actually he wasn't actually showboating. This is oh. what I do know about him. He, it's like he wasn't actually showboating. The cameraman just happened to snap at a picture at a time when he had just like finished the punch or something like that. Aye. Like he wasn't actually standing over him like showboating to him. Aye. And I was like, it's funny how that's an iconic picture and it's not even it's the not true, true sentiment. Aye. Yeah. A picture doesn't always tell the full story. I think that's yeah. yeah, yeah. Um to your point, Phil, it they did show a bit long. I'm the same. There's a few things I felt could have been trimmed a little bit. It felt like they could have been a little bit, you know, tightened up a little yeah, bit. Just just tightened up. Nothing major. Well, it's just I would say it, it adapted from a stage play. Um, yeah, okay. and I think I think that comes across that there's a lot of scenes that are just basically dialogue. It's just it's all wordy. It's all very much chatting. Um, and I think that's because we talked about that a couple of weeks ago with the Mad Rainey Black Bottom. There's a sense sometimes in these yeah, yeah. happen from the screen to the sta- from the stage to the screen. That you I think I really- fell into the I think I fell into the exact same trap again because I said the exact same thing when I was like watching that movie no. was. It seems very like one room, one yeah. set up, heavy dialogue, and then it's like it's a play. And then I've watched this, and it's like this is a play again, Barry. Are Aye. you getting this yet? <laughs> but it, it, it's a fair point because that's the problem when you do adapt something from the stage to the screen because the dynamic, yeah. the dynamicism on stage is basically usually all in one room or like sort of very, yeah. very limited sets. So to try yeah. and branch it out and to make it something bigger and wilder is tougher. I think they do it in this for bringing in the sort of more historical elements. You know, when you see Jim Brown on uh, talking to Bo Bridges, you see. Sam Cooke mm. in the bit when he's on stage and the, the power goes out and you see um, the two, Ali, Ali is two fight, you see him fighting George, no, who, the, the British guy, he fights Henry Cooper at the start of it, he fights the British yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. and yeah, then yeah. he fights Sonny Liston, and you don't really see much of Malcolm X apart from like you see his speeches on screen, but he, he is, there's, stuff, there's still something enough to try and branch it out, but no, again, mm. I really dug it, I thought it was excellent, I thought it was a really well worth a watch, um, and I would mm. give it a very, very solid 8 out of 10. Totally did, totally. I'm going to join you on that one because I thought the exact same. Apart from it just needs to be tightened up. Yep. Eight out of ten for me as well. It's a, it's a minor quibble, I think. Uh, minor yeah, quibble. Oh, I, totally didn't, did. I didn't really feel my attention wave too much. Sure. I was feel, I was pretty intense watching it and enjoying it as well. Mm, um, and yeah. just four great performances. You see four people who can really act the fuck out of something, just act, just doing it. You're like, oh, that is yeah, so yeah. impressive to see four guys doing that. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, you can see, like, they're passionate about it, you know. Yeah. And you seen Leslie yeah. Odom Jr. doing Sam Cooke at the end. I thought it was brilliant. You see him singing on the TV show. It's like, oh, such an amazing voice as well. So, yeah, mm. I, I really dug it as well. Um, next week, Ooh. we have some interesting stuff for you. Ooh. We have, um, on Amazon Prime, we have one called Songbird. Okay. okay. Which is a film by Michael Bay. And it is about, it's set in 2023, where the COVID virus has mutated and the world is still in chaos. It is a oh, film geez. that the world does not need, but you're going to watch it, Barry, because I'm going to watch it, okay? Was this not slammed? Like, I'm sure I read, like, 
like I'm sure I read this was getting slammed all over the place when it was released. I'm going to say I've already, I've, already about... I've already seen it. I've already seen it. And I'm going to tell right. you, it's not a bad film, but it's a film okay. I absolutely do not fucking need. <laughs> Good film, wrong release date. <laughs> yes, very much so, yeah. So anyway. We'll it, it's, like, it's like if um, Tower Inferno get released on the 12th of the uh, September 2001. Aye. Yeah, you go. Yeah. Good film, maybe... maybe... Push it, lady. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we are talking. We'll be talking about that in more detail next week. Uh, we okay. also have on Netflix one called Sputnik, which is a kind of horror movie set around the Russian. Um, uh, yeah. I've heard good things about this. I've heard good things about this. They bring something back. So it's interesting to see what that is. And also on Netflix one called Outside the Wire, which is a sort of military <laughs> action movie that's on on Netflix. All right. Okay. I'll look forward to that one. So. Three interesting and different films to watch um, yeah, yeah. next week. Um, would that be able to find us, Barry? All over the internet. Yeah. Just everywhere. everywhere. Pornhub, OnlyFans. <laughs> well, <laughs> Only joking. All the usual social media hounds. If we get some love on OnlyFans, I will go on OnlyFans. I don't people want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Take chefs. Yeah, Do I, they... I will leave the hat on. <laughs> we'll do the lunchtime special <laughs> all the usual social media haunts at three beers in a movie that's twitter facebook instagram come join us that's great um, and that's us for this week i've been richard you've been bye and you've been listening to three beers in a movie